Welcome to the Breckenridge Podcast. My name is John Bastoni. I'm a securitized products trader here at Breckenridge Capital. Today, I am joined by Kerm Galani, one of the portfolio managers on our multi-sector team. We're going to start with um, overall performance in the IG corporate market, which we typically do. Kerm, nice to have you today. Can you give our listeners some uh, performance-related highlights for the month of October? Thanks, John. It's good to be here with you today. Corporate bonds outperformed treasuries again this month. Corporates have continued to outperform treasuries, generating uh, positive excess returns in eight of the last 10 months this year. Overall spreads were five basis points tighter on average across the index. This month's spread tightening is due to a combination of lighter than expected new issuance, better than expected earnings, and lower uncertainty surrounding uh, the Fed's actions. Uh, in fact, spreads year-to-date in the corporate index have generated four, four and three-quarters of excess returns, or nearly 14% of total returns, uh, given the move-in rates that we've uh, experienced this year. However, a heavy month of new issuance is expected in November, roughly around $100 billion, and that does have the potential to put some pressure on spreads, which close the month only four wider than their year-to-date tights. Great. Thank you for that overview. Were there any sectors or trends that stood out in October? Yes. So the trend of lower quality and longer duration investment-grade corporates outperformance continued as a result of the flattening corporate credit curve, as well as strong demand as indicated by continued robust fund inflows. Higher beta, more cyclical sectors, such as metals and mining, chemicals, refiners, uh, outperformed on an excess return basis, as did the healthcare sector. Integrated energy names and consumer cyclicals, such as retailers and restaurants, underperformed. Great. So one thing that you mentioned earlier that I want to pick up on a little bit was um, corporate earnings. Can you provide basically just a quick summary of those? I I understand that expectations are pretty low for Q3 earnings, but um, were there any surprises to that? Yes, you're right. Expectations were lower for companies reporting in the third quarter due to the trade tariff ordeal as well as overall global slowdown led by the Eurozone and China. But so far, about 85 to 90 percent of the companies in the S&P 500 have reported corporate earnings. Roughly three-fourths of those that have reported have reported better than expected earnings according to data from Bloomberg. However, from a bondholder perspective, we tend to focus a little bit more on the top line revenues, and that's actually still been positive and averaging about um, 3% versus the third quarter of 2018. The healthcare and communication sectors are seeing mid to high single-digit growth, whereas energy and capital goods so far have seen uh, year-over-year declines. Great. And you said that issuance was lighter than expected, but were there any notable deals that came? Yeah, so issuance, you're right, was was lighter than expected, likely because of the fact that um, issuance was pulled forward in September. September was a record month for new issuance. There are a few noteworthy deals this month. Uh, so Danaher came to the market to issue $4 billion of debt to fund their acquisition of General Electric's uh, biopharma unit. The deal did well and was four times oversubscribed on average, and the 30-year yielded 108 basis points above treasuries. Ford also brought $1.5 billion of five-year notes. This was their first deal. Uh, after being downgraded to high yield by Moody's back in September. It's still rated low triple by, by S&P. The deal price had a spread of 240 basis points compared to the five-year treasury. It had pretty minimal new issue concessions, I would say, and performed well in the secondary, uh, tightening 10 basis points um, on the break. All right, so I wanted to switch gears here and talk a little bit about taxable munis. They've been another um, sector that's been gaining more and more attention in the investment-grade space, uh, specifically um, taxable munis, as I mentioned. Um, Supply seems like has really increased so far this year. I was wondering if you had any numbers you could put behind that. 
Tax municipal supply has jumped this year to 46.2 billion or 15% of total municipal issuance according to data from bond buyer. That's a 90% increase versus the same time last year. Uh, so you know, tax on bonds have been averaging about 32 billion of new issuance since 2011. The main reason this year has been elevated is due to municipal issuers refinancing or refunding previously issued tax exempt paper with taxable paper. So previously issued tax tax exempt paper with taxable paper. Can you walk through some of I guess the economics of that a little bit or how that how that all works for the issuer? So what's happened this year is that the combination of low interest rates and the elimination of the advanced refunding mechanism as part of the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act has uh, really caused the increase in, in tax community supply so far this year. So what this means is that prior to 2017, issuers could refinance or refund existing tax-exempt debt with new tax-exempt debt as long as the refinancing was done 90 or more days in advance of the call or maturity date of, the, of that particular bond. But like I said, the Tax Cut and Job, Jobs Act changed that. Now they must issue taxable debt when they are seeking to refinance existing tax-exempt debt more than 90 days in advance of the call or maturity date of the bond. The elimination of this advanced refunding mechanism, as well as the significant drop in yields that we've seen so far this year, is really what's driving the elevated new issue supply. Great. That's, thank you for that, Karim. That's great insight for our listeners. Okay, so let's switch to the securitized market. So first, can we just maybe start with a brief recap of what happened in October and what drove performance there? Yeah, sure. So for agency mortgages, you know, despite some of the headwinds that we've mentioned several times in this podcast that have been facing the sector, namely faster prepayments driven by lower rates and in turn higher interest rate volatility, agency MBS actually performed relatively well last month, producing nine basis points of excess returns. Most of the strength, however, came in the second half of the month after the 10-year Treasury bottomed out around the 152 level early in October. Once rates started to slowly climb higher, which led to volatility dropping, mortgages found their footing and spreads started to tighten. It's worth pointing out, however, that you know mortgage spreads still remain near the multi-year wides, which again reflect the headwinds that have plagued the sector for most, most of the year. One of the metrics that we do look at to gauge the general level of spreads is the current coupon mortgage nominal yield spread versus a blend of the 5 and 10 year U.S. Treasury yield. This metric, again, there's many metrics you can use in mortgages to gauge performance, but this generic metric is widely used and it ended um, October north of 100 basis points, which is a level we haven't seen since 2016. We think that, you know, right now the wider spread in the agency mortgage sector present a relatively attractive entry point right now compared to other sp- spread sectors that still remain stubbornly tight. And we've seen some signs of flows beginning to tilt into the space to take advantage of this, uh, this relative cheapness that we see in mortgages. That makes sense. So let's take that one level down. So what part, what subsectors of the MBS uh, currently look most attractive? Well, generically, you could, you could think of... of Agency mortgages is broken up into 30 years, 20 years, 15 years, and to a lesser extent, 10-year maturity sectors. The interest rate curve shape is a big driver of performance differences between these, these subsectors. You can think of, it, think of it this way. 30-year mortgages have more partial interest rate exposure to the longer end of the treasury curve, while 15 years have more exposure to the shorter end of the curve, um, which I think makes sense. So, you know, as the curve has flattened and become inverted over the summer with longer interest rates falling more than shorter interest rates, 
30-year bonds have performed better than 15 years. So right now, with 15 years underperforming, 15-year spreads look relatively cheap to 30 years. Generically, just to put some numbers behind it, 15 years are trading around 70 basis points over treasuries. And as we mentioned earlier, 30 years are around 100 basis points over. This is a pretty tight spread differential based on historicals. And with the curve actually beginning to steepen out here a little bit lately, it, that would in turn benefit 15 years more than 30 years. So we think 15 years look like a relatively attractive investment at, at this point. That makes sense. And then what, so what other factors uh, do you think are going to be responsible for um, kind of near-term performance in the, in the mortgage market? There's a couple of things we're keeping our eyes on as we head into year-end. First, rates seem like they're headed higher. At the time of this recording of this podcast, the 10-year Treasury sits around the 190 level. So up pretty considerably off the lows of the summer and off pretty considerably from where we were in early October as well. Higher rates and a steeper curve project higher forward rates, which would, again, project f- slower future prepayment speeds, which would benefit the sector. In addition, we've also sort of passed the strong seasonal part of the year where summer is always a busy time for home buying, which ultimately leads to higher net supply, which again has been one of the um, issues plaguing the sector so far this year. That makes sense. Well, thank you, John, for that update on Securitized Market. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our podcast today. Hope you join us next month for our November market update.